Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. Troy Walls. Um, I'd like to uh, share some things with you today in the book of James, beginning in verse 1. The book of James, beginning in verse 1. Now, if you have any questions during this during this podcast or any podcast that concerns the Bible, just write them down on a note. And I'll provide an email address at the end of the lesson where you can contact me and I'll be glad to answer them for you. If I don't know the answer, I'll go out of my way to try to find the answer. So at the end of this podcast, I'll provide my email address for you. If you've got any questions, please send them my way. Okay. Martin Luther one time considered James' letter as the letter of straw because he considered the fulfillment of faith was included in works, which he thought should not have been included in the canon of Scripture. What that tells me is even the old-timer scholars could take the word out of context. Of course, Martin Luther was the one who nailed his 95 thesis to the door and said that just shall live by faith. It was all faith. But James comes along later and says, yes, it is all faith, but if, but if it is real faith, it's going to, pr- pr- to produce some works. And so there has always been some type of controversy about the book of James, but I have always considered it a blessing from the Lord. So the author of the book is James. He is a half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a product of Joseph and Mary. He had brothers and sisters. He had at least three brothers and one sister. Jesus' father was not by Joseph, but God himself. That is why James was a half-brother. Half-brothers have different fathers. He was called James the Just because of his righteous living and his holy lifestyle that he had lived. And tradition tells us that he died by being beaten to death. He was a... Originally taken to the pinnacle of the temple where Satan tempted Jesus, and he was thrown from that pinnacle, and when he fell, he did not die. And so they beat him with clubs until he did die. And that is how most agree that he did die. Scholars believe he wrote this letter before 70 AD when Titus came in and raised the temple and destroyed Jerusalem, and they believe he wrote this letter before that. He wrote this entire letter on the testing of the Christian faith. In chapter 1, verse 1 through 18, he tells us the purpose of our testing, the reason God allows you and I to be tested. Then in verses 19 through 27, he tells us about the test of obedience. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, the test of partiality or prejudice. Chapter 2 through 14 through 26, it's about works that our faith can be tested and then we can be validated by our works. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, was a test of the tongue. Many would fail that test in, in the year that we live. You can know your faith is developing by the ability to control the tongue. Chapter 3, verses 13 onward, Through chapter 5, verse 6, the test of personal ambition. Chapter 5, 7 through 20, the test of patience. 
So throughout this entire letter, he is sharing with us the different tests that the Christian will go through. And it is important how we navigate through those tests. Every one of us have been through tests. If you are a Christian, you have been through tests. And guess what? You will go through more tests uh, because this life is constantly about tests. That is how the Lord develops us and teaches us. So let's look at verse 1. James chapter 1 verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Now this is James the Just, the half-brother of Jesus. He could have introduced himself with some spectacular title, such as Jesus, the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, God incarnate, James, the son of Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ. He could have had all these different titles that he introduced himself with, but rather, he said, James, a servant. It showed you the humility of James. When Jesus was walking in his public ministry, his brothers did not really believe that he was a Christ. They said, if you are doing all these works, go to Jerusalem and let people see you. The scripture says specifically, for they believed not on him. They did not believe he was the Messiah. They surely did not believe he was the Son of God. And if you put yourself in their position, would it not be kind of difficult? Your brother who grew up uh, with you the whole time, and then all of a sudden now he's supposed to be God? That'd be kind of difficult to wrap your head around, wouldn't it? But after Jesus' resurrection, Corinthians tells us that he went to the disciples and he showed himself to about 500 people and then he went directly to James. And it was at that point that James realized I saw him die on the cross. I saw him punished and beaten. I saw him put behind the stone and now here he is walking around again. He'd been resurrected from the dead. That's when James really began to believe and so he introduces himself in a very humble way. He said, James the servant. The term servant is doulos, D-O-U-L-O-S, in the Greek, and it means a bond slave. A bond slave is one whose personal will has been swallowed up in the will of his master, and now he looks toward his half-brother, Jesus Christ, as being his master, and I am his bond slave. So he takes his brother his proper place beneath the superiority of Jesus Christ, who again is his half-brother. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Now, in the writing of this letter, it's written in a time prior to the persecution hitting Jerusalem, causing Christians to scatter everywhere. They could no longer stay in Jerusalem and in the main church because persecution was so heavy that they were scattered abroad. So James has identified himself as the author and he has identified Israel scattered abroad as his audience. And he says, Greetings. Now, through the next several verses in this chapter, he showed us the attitude that we should have when we start going through trials. Now, when a trial comes on your life, you need to already know these things because it is very difficult 
when that trial hits to do these things if you don't already know what the expectation is. In other words, when a trial hits our life, how many of us just kind of get angry about it? Like, how can this be happening to me? But Jesus takes a whole different perspective. I mean, James. James takes a whole different perspective. First of all, we should have a joyful attitude. Look at what James chapter 1 verse 2 says. James chapter 1 verse 2. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers' temptations. He said, count it all joy. He did not say it would be joy, but you can count it as joy. He said, when you fall, not if you fall. Now we're going to get down to the meat and potatoes here. Bear with me. Don't you wish sometimes your friend would have a more joyful attitude? Don't you wish sometimes your children and grandchildren would have a more joyful attitude? Don't you wish sometimes your husband would have a more joyful attitude? Don't you wish sometimes your wife had a more joyful attitude? I even wish at times my dog Otis had a more joyful attitude. But the Bible said we all fall short. When trials come, when our faith increases, as we grow as Christians, we learn to have a joyful attitude, even in the midst of trials, even in the midst of a diverse trial. A trial is a test. How much has your faith developed? We can still have true heaven-sent joy. I don't mean just a smile when you're crying. I mean real joy on the inside, even though there is a trial on your life. Verse 3 tells us we should have an understanding attitude. James chapter 1 verse 3 says this, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. You can have joy if you can have an understanding in terms of the process that you're going through. Look at James chapter 1 verse 4. James 1 4. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Verse 4 tells us we should have a submissive will as as we're going through the trial. If this is my portion, if this is what the Lord has allowed to come my way, I'm going to submit to it and I'm going to walk right through it. Now I want to read you a few more verses, starting in James chapter 1 verse 5. James chapter 1 verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be forgive, it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Then we should also maintain a believing heart. You know, just because there are trials coming our way, our tests we are going through should not rock our faith and think God is something other than what he says he is, which is a good God. I'm reminded of Hebrews. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It talks about a man being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. In other words, he is back and forth. Stable one week, unstable the next. I'm in, I'm out, I'm up, I'm down. 
I'm this, I'm that. In other words, unstable. Think about Christians, church attendance. There are some here that can remember 30, 40 years ago when people went to church every week. Every time the church door was open, you were in church. But now you notice something else going on. Church has become a very wavery thing for many. Maybe I'm here this week. Maybe next week. I have something else to do going on. Maybe I'm here this month. Maybe next month. Something else is going on. Maybe I show up for Christmas meal. But for the next one, won't be for another year. So I better wait until it comes around again. Christianity does not receive from the Lord what it used to receive. We think we have done God a favor by showing up, going through our routine, and then off to the world we go. That's not too rough, is it? I've been accused of being too harsh. People get confused between harsh and truth. Look at James chapter 1, verse 9. James chapter 1, verse 9. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. Let's talk finances a minute. Low degree means you are at the lower level of the financial scale. Believe it or not, one day you will be exalted or elevated. I did not come up with this. God did. But you have people in today's society that not only flaunt their wealth, they in vain somehow think they will always have it. I've got news for you. Not going to happen. I will give myself as as an example. Years ago, I made big money. As quick as it comes, as quick as it goes. You may run into a medical situation or several medical situations. Just like myself, I've had four strokes in the last 11 years. You may have to get family members out of a bind. You may have to help others in need. How many times have you done that? It might be for any number of reasons. Here is a message for the Vanderbilts and the Rockefellers. Don't be married to your wallet because the time will come you're going to be disappointed. Look at James chapter 1 verse 10. James chapter 1 verse 10. But the rich, in that he is made low because of the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. This verse shows how vain the well-to-do can be in their own minds. Money is like everything else in life. It is temporary. But what do most people strive for? Bigger and better or the best. Are you satisfied with what you currently have? Look at James chapter 1 verse 11. James chapter 1 verse 11. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it wherewith the grass and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perish, so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. And then we should have a humble spirit through whatever we are going through. We should maintain a spirit of humility. And so those are the five things he is going to tell us. And finally, he is going to give us a view towards the reward we get if we persevere in the trials that we're going through. Look at James chapter 1 verse 12. James chapter 1 verse 12. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Your trial is an opportunity, a test for you. 
that if you rise above your trial, you will be rewarded for it. What it all boils down to is uh, is this. Do we believe the Bible or not? If God is our authority, then believe it, and then act on it through obedience. God is not going to mislead you. You cannot go wrong by trusting God. Have you ever thought of this? Anytime you are ever tempted, and you will be, no one is excluded. The devil is in the picture. God had nothing to do with that. James chapter 1 verse 13. James chapter 1 verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Verse 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Verse 15, then, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. One thing God has proven to me many times is this. First of all, what you see with your eyes do not lie. Many times when people sin, they die. Speeding, breaking the law, going over a bank, they die. Drug overdose, they die. By the way, right now in North Carolina, drug overdose is the leading cause of death. Drunk drivers die on a regular basis, yet we have more breweries and bars in, in places than any other place. We, spoke, we speak out of both sides of our mouth. We promote beer, liquor, and breweries, and then have mothers against drunk driving. Ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. When are we ever going to learn? Sin bringeth forth death. Sometimes people die for reasons besides sin. It might be to test someone, someone else's faith. Lust. Let's talk about that for a moment. Lust can mean more than just lust for another person. When you receive markings, uh, advertising, they are supplying you uh, with the lust of the eye. In department stores, you look at the clothes, the jewelry, the new cell phones. Men look at the tools, the new boots, the supplies for the home. Car commercials can, are the worst. Eye candy. People want bigger and better with all the fancy gadgets. That can be lust. Lust, when it is conceived, brings forth sin, which brings forth death. Lust, sin, and death runs in a pack. You cannot start on the outside and work your way in. Start on the inside with the renewing of your mind. Look at James chapter 1 verse 26. James chapter 1 verse 26. If any man among you seem to be righteous and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man religion is vain. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Did you know there is only one way to remain unspotted from the world? Do not be of the world. We have to be in the world, but we do not have to be of the world. I want to ask you one more question before I close here. I try to do this with all my podcasts. Ask yourself this question. Are you 100% sure that you're going to heaven? Now, if you're... 35%, 50%, even 99% that you're sure that you're going to heaven. That's not going to work. You will not be going there. 
Did you know that the Lord wants you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, 100% sure that you are going to heaven? He actually says that in 1 John chapter 3, verse 15, that you may know that you have eternal life. But here's what you got to do right off the get-go, right off to, to begin with. You have to recognize that you are a sinner. Now, when you recognize that you are a sinner, which the Bible says we all fall short of the glory of God, that means all, um, you got to do something about it. You got to repent of that sin. Now, you can repent a thousand times, and it won't do you one bit of good until you actually forsake that sin, give it up, go another direction. If you don't give it up, it's not going to do you any good. Once you repent of your sin and believe and the final work of the cross that Jesus, that God himself come to this earth in the flesh, walked among us, and that he died three days later, was crucified, and that three days later he uh, rose from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father right now making intercession for you and I. And if you believe that all of your heart and mind, guess what? You're saved. You're, all, you're saved. You're what the Bible called born again. And you'll have life eternal. Isn't that good to know? Okay, I hope you enjoyed this lesson. and uh, Check out my email here at the end. Uh, if you have any questions at all, please let me know about the Bible. And I'll be glad to help you out. Thank you. Okay, if you ever have any questions whatsoever concerning anything in the Bible... Please go to the uh, email provided there and ask your question, and I'd be glad to help you out. If I don't know the answer, I'll go out of my way to try to find the answer. So I'll say that again. If you have any questions at all concerning anything about the Bible, please send the question to this email address, and I'd be glad to help you out. Thank you.